Hey, Florida, we are pulling for you. We are thinking about you. You've got this big storm coming and parts of Florida already feeling it. Yikes, it's tough. It's time for America to pull together. Right, Joe? Right? Isn't that what you promised? Sure it is. Remember? We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting and lower the temperature. Oh, such a nice idea that you had no intention on following through on. As Florida gets ready for this major, major hurricane, uh, it seems like Joe Biden has forgotten that Florida is part of the United States. Ron DeSantis is doing everything a governor should be doing. At this point, it's kind of customary for the president of the United States to check in with the governor's He's not doing that. He's checking in with mayors, happen to be Democrats for the most part, but not Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. The FEMA, the, the head of FEMA, this person, one of their top officials says, yeah, no, um, we're good. We don't need to talk to Ron. He's made conversations with the mayors. So is there any reason why not the governor? Again, we have a strong team that's in place supporting the governor right now, working side by side with him and his staff. We'll continue to stay engaged with him. All right. So the answer is they are brutal political enemies. But you put this stuff down around the hurricane. Hey, I'll give this to Obama and Chris Christie. (laughs) These guys came together in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, although Chris went a little bit overboard. He got carried away by his own ambition. More on that in just a little bit. But first, this horrible phenomenon, totally unnecessary, continues. Cops are under fire. We haven't seen this kind of violence directed at police, directed at the population in general, in about 50 years. And part of it, so many lies have been told about the police day in and day out. And it has an effect. All this stuff in the air all the time, it changes the way people view the cops. There is a connection between the fact that law enforcement originated as slave patrols and are still in 2021 killing black men and women on the street. Policing began in this country with slave patrols. The idea that certain people are are dangerous, inherently threatening. Many slave patrols evolved into police departments. You cannot disconnect modern American policing from slave patrols, from racial caste systems and from systems of white supremacy. Well, yes, you can, because they have absolutely nothing to do with each other. The police systems here were modeled on Scotland Yard. The first organized police department started in New York and Boston in the 1800s, cities where there was no slavery at the time. These are lies. Also, liberals are always surprised about what cops actually look like. They have a they have a notion in their head. This police department is too toxic. Uh, it is too white. The other is this other longstanding issue of, um, you know, largely white police forces and African-American citizens who've done nothing wrong. There will undoubtedly be violence tonight. You have a largely white police force that is going to face off again for another night against a largely black community. What did Rush Limbaugh call them? The drive-by media. They come by, they know nothing, they offer their lame analysis, and then they leave, and they're wrong. 
They're always wrong, especially about law enforcement. They just don't get it. They don't know cops. They aren't cops. And they can't understand anybody who would join the police department. And I've seen this before. They're often surprised at how diverse these big city police departments are. In New York City, every time we've lost a pair of cops, it happens to be often uh, officers of color. They don't get that. Liberals, they just have this uh, stereotypical view of what cops are supposed to look like. And you know who holds that stereotype? Barack Obama. Oh, boy, this guy. What a snob. We all knew it. We all saw it. For a while, we thought, gosh, he could really bring the country together. No, he decided to just stir things up. Right after he was done charming us and saying things that probably needed to be said, but he was only saying it for his own benefit. Go into any inner city neighborhood and folks will tell you that government alone can't teach our kids to learn. They know that parents have to teach that children can't achieve unless we raise their expectations and turn off the television sets and eradicate the slander that says a black youth with a book is acting white. They know those things. Wow. Less than 20 years ago, it was a slander. A black youth with a book is acting white. I know I have never thought that or felt that. Apparently, that's a slander within the black community. Has there been a discussion about that? Has there been a change? I don't think so. I know so, actually, that there hasn't been because he barely touched on it when he was president. He said those things to win people over. Oh, boy, he would say things and go there because only he could. Now, all he did was stir things up for his own political benefit. Black Lives Matter. My goodness gracious, he was planting the seeds all along for this carnage. You know, one of the worst examples, really, of his presidency was in 2016, when Dallas police officers came under attack. Do you remember this? Dallas police officers were assassinated, five of them, and they were killed by this individual, Micah Johnson. Uh, he targeted law enforcement. He was angered over the Alton Sterling shooting. Alton Sterling, do you remember him? Uh, yeah, has a nice smile, and some people just remember that. But if you look a little bit deeper, he was shot by cops because he was waving a gun around trying to force people to buy his CDs. He had a long criminal record. We'll put it up on the screen for you. He was a registered sex offender. That, yeah, that's kind of glossed over in history and also in the immediate aftermath of what happened to those cops in Dallas. So Barack Obama goes to the funeral, which is appropriate. Five police officers are killed. And he decides to eulogize, not somebody who was killed in Dallas, but he talks about Alton Sterling. Listen to this. But even those who dislike the phrase Black Lives Matter, surely we should be able to hear the pain of Alton Sterling's family. We should, when, when we hear a friend describe him by saying that whatever he cooked, he cooked enough for everybody, that, that should sound familiar to us, that maybe he wasn't so different than us, so that we can, yes, insist that his life matters. You can talk about that at Alton Sterling's funeral. Alton Sterling, again, essentially a career criminal and a sex offender 
who threatened people with a gun if they didn't buy his CDs. No police officers, by the way, were charged in his death. He said those things at a funeral, at a service for five police officers who were killed. Five. And he's talking about the inspiration, what inspired the killer. And talking about what a nice guy he was. Barack Obama, this was a very strange episode that's often overlooked. But what he revealed there was his plan, I believe, to tear this country apart. And when anyone, no matter how good their intentions may be, paints all police as biased or bigoted, we undermine those officers we depend on for our safety. <laughs> when anyone, no matter how good their intentions may be, paint the police as all biased and all bigoted, that undermines police. How can you have good intentions when you say these things about police? It gets worse. And as for those who use rhetoric suggesting harm to police, even if they don't act on it themselves, well, they not only make the jobs of police officers even more dangerous, but they do a disservice to the very cause of justice that they claim to promote. The language is so bizarre, and words matter. People who call for harm to police do a disservice. It's bad marketing somehow. This is sinister stuff, and he's planting the seeds. But America, we know that bias remains. We know it. Whether you are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or of Middle Eastern descent, we have all seen this bigotry in our own lives at some point. We've heard it at times in our own homes. If we're honest, perhaps we've heard prejudice in our own heads and felt it in our own hearts. We know that. Speak for yourself, Barack. I think you have a beef with cops. That's what I think. And also, I'm sorry to say it, with white people. It's clear as anything to me now. One more. None of us is entirely innocent. No institution is entirely immune. And that includes our police departments. We know this. <laughs> we know this. We know this. He's talking about police departments and their racial bias when five police officers were just killed, huh? Five police officers. Well, he helped create the situation we're living in right now. Oh, boy, did he. You know, during his administration, I started to see it, this this disrespect of police that I hadn't really seen before. I'd never seen anything like this, throwing basketballs and dousing police with water. Do you remember this? It happened. It really happened. And the police were told, do not respond. And then it escalated. Black Lives Matter summer, I mean, really, not since the 1960s. And yes, officers dying in the line of duty. Shot and killed. These are just two, two that I'm most familiar with here in New York City early this year, but it's happening everywhere. We've seen something like a 50% increase in law enforcement deaths, shoplifting, people just helping themselves to property and not buying it. Where did this mentality come from? 
Barack Obama and the left set the conditions for all of this. And now these crimes have been essentially normalized, maybe normalized for the media, but not for voters. Shocking the conscience. Did you see this? A woman being pummeled by a guy who already killed his grandmother back in the 1990s. This happened uh, near the JFK airport here in New York. Also, uh, this, another horrific moment, a man being pummeled on a Chicago train. Happens to be Asian. Could this be a hate crime? I don't know. Possibly. And this poor kid looked like he was trying to make friends at a, at a recreation center and then, bam, gets punched and then kicked repeatedly. Um, I'm glad this young man is alive. This is, uh, this is America. This is what we're dealing with. Cops, by the way, they're not standing for it. Some of them, understandably, are retiring in massive numbers. We haven't seen this uh, before. Cops lining up. Used to, used to be like one or two a month, two or three a week. Look at this. This is the clerk who takes care of the retirement applications here in New York. All right, stand by for that. And also, why is George W. Bush so chummy with Hillary Clinton? They've got something in common, losing or erasing emails. Be right back. Look at this number. 67% of voters believe crime, crime is the top issue this midterm elections. Well, I would say Democrats gravely, gravely miscalculated. And when Americans see images like this uh, free for all at their beloved Wawa coming in, taking anything you want, leaving without paying, that's a big problem. Now, cops, they're under fire, and a lot of them, understandably, are just not going to stick around for the abuse. They are retiring in record numbers. To help us make sense of it all and what we can do next, we bring in one of our favorites, David Clark, America's sheriff, longtime sheriff at Milwaukee in Milwaukee County. Sheriff Clark, welcome back to the show. Great to see you. How are you, and um, how dismayed are you dismayed? What do you think of all this? Well, first of all, I'm doing great. But as far as what's going on in the United States as it relates to crime, violence, and disorder, I'm thoroughly disgusted, Greg, at what has transpired over the last... Uh, you can go all the way back to uh, Ferguson, Missouri, when this whole war on cops thing uh, started in earnest. The body blows that this profession has taken uh, over that period of time is starting to take its toll. There's a quiet resignation among law enforcement officers. I talked to a lot of cops all across the nation as I travel, and they're beleaguered right now. And, and, and when I tell them to hang in there, keep their heads held high, they say, Sheriff, we're trying, but it's very hard. Do you, um, I'm not sure if you saw my earlier segment, but I looked at Barack Obama and his rhetoric, the things he said, the things he did, and I believe that he was playing racial politics much earlier than some of us recognized. He was supposed to be this post-racial president, be beyond all that stuff. But it looked like he was really trying to pit us against each other, and he certainly was no friend of law enforcement. No, he wasn't. He threw a match down on what was already, actually, I should say gasoline down on what was a smoldering fire after Ferguson, Missouri. But it started before that. If you recall back when uh, Cambridge police officers arrested one of his friends, uh, I think it was Henry Louis Gates, because he wouldn't identify himself when cops were called to a potential entry in progress. And... Barack Obama said in a news conference, the police acted stupidly in arresting his friend. 
And then you go on later on when he said, this was the days after Ferguson, Missouri, he said, American police officers have a problem with people that don't look like them. So some of the disgusting things that he said, this whole sham of uh, uh, putting together a task force for reform and policing was nothing more than a, a, um, a political gimmick, if you will. And, you know, he, like I said, he started it. And to this day, it's, uh, it's still going in earnest. There's, there's, no, there's been no end to this war on cops. Well, uh, he's, he's gotten a big assist from uh, the media who take the rhetoric of the left, their rationale, their reasoning, and they, they go with it. For instance, stop and frisk. Uh, they believe that too many people of color are being stopped. However, if you really follow their logic, then half of all stops must be women because women make up uh, about half the population. And they believe this. They actually, and, and this is somehow the culture. But I think we're going to see a big change in November. What do you think? Well, we can hope, you know, and, and, and Americans, uh, they know that, you know, you don't have to convince the American people what's going on in their cities, their towns. It's not just restricted to uh, urban centers, but they're tired of it. OK, and they know that the only thing that stands between them and this chaos and anarchy is the American police officer. They've been beaten up. They've been defunded, spit on, uh, had rocks and bottles and urine filled uh, balloons thrown at them. And all he could do was sit up there and take it. And you throw on top of that, Greg, these politically active prosecutors who have gone after malicious prosecutions of law enforcement officers for just doing their job. You look at the situation in Baltimore with Freddie Gray, where that political activist Marilyn Mosby charged uh, six of Baltimore's finest. That case unraveled on her. And there have been several other ones where cops were uh, unfairly uh, indicted and, and then, you know, Thank God jurors came along and found that they were not um, guilty of what they had been charged of doing. So we got a long way back, though. The devastation caused by what's gone on over the last 10 or 12 years, it's going to take about that much time to uh, to come back. As you mentioned, Greg, you know, resignations, people leaving the, the profession in record numbers, for heaven's sakes. Those people are not easily replaced. It takes a long time to hire and train and season a police officer. And that's why I said it's going to take a long time before this profession uh, comes back from what they've been through. David Clark, thank you. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for your service, uh, the former Milwaukee County Sheriff. And check out, please, americasheriff.com. Some great stuff there. Sheriff Clark, to be continued. We are now joined by Mike Solon, president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. You'll remember in Seattle, the Chaz, and I think they also, the mayor gave up a police station. Yeah, you guys can, uh, you guys can have this. You guys can sleep here. You guys can take it over from us. Um, things seem to have settled down. At least, uh, Mike, you're not in the news as much as you used to be. Give me a sense. Give us a sense of what Seattle is like right now. Well, crime is on the rise. We've lost 500 cops in two years thanks to the defunding nonsense. And like the sheriff pointed out, it's very difficult to entice anybody to want to do the job of policing, particularly in Seattle. But you know what? The profession needs to be saved. And we can do that by galvanizing support amongst the profession itself. Police officers speaking from one voice. And the issues are these politicians put us all in this position. You've seen the numbers rise in crime across every major urban city across this nation. And Seattle obviously led the nation with the defund nonsense when we surrendered an East Precinct, right? So we've lost 500 cops and counting 
The sheriff is absolutely correct. It's going to take at least a decade to recover. But more importantly, right now, we need to make our communities feel safe with the current cops we have. The only way you can do that is support the current people, retain them, support them politically and say, you know what? You're valued. Thank you for your service. And I think we can do that. We must continue to press a pro-public safety message to keep everyone feeling safe. All right. But, well, how do you do that, practically speaking? Because in the communities, uh, you know, cops uh, say they want to affect an arrest and all of a sudden people are throwing bottles at them and everybody takes out their cell phone and they want to get the cops in trouble. Uh, I, I see no change whatsoever. The rhetoric, some of the politicians, uh, oh, fund the police. But on the ground, I don't see a change and I don't know how to make a change. Do you? Yeah, you know how to make a change. You have to entice our communities to get active. For too long, we've heard about the silent majority. Well, where are they? It's police that stood there to try to protect these communities, regardless if you're on the left coast or if you're on the right. The bottom line is to save this nation from the criminal chaos that's finding itself in major urban cities and now spreading to rural areas, we have to wake up. And the way to do that is to lead. Lead by example. If our politicians aren't doing it, then it's going to take police officers to fill that void. And that's what we did in Seattle. We stopped the the defunding nonsense by at least 30 percent with our campaign. It's the community that came together signing our petition that did that. What we need to do is have PACs developed. We need to be pro-police and anybody that supported defunding, in particular a politician, they need to be voted out of office. We do that by voting. This is how the democratic process works. To save this republic from a criminal takeover, we need to support police officers that are currently here, build them up. Because if we don't, I'm afraid it's going to be too late. But we can continue to push a positive public safety message to get everybody involved so we all can feel safe. That's the only way to do this. Vote. You know who uh, was pushing the defund message and they try to pretend he didn't, but it was Joe Biden. He absolutely did. It's on tape. He said it out loud and uh, somehow he's gotten away with it. I want to play this for you. New Orleans Police Department hiring civilians to work as detectives. Uh, Take a look at this. What we're pivoting to what we're going to be doing in the future is hiring civilian police intake specialists. We have also identified as many as 50 to 75 additional new civilian positions to support our officers. Uh, a lot of folks took that to mean, oh, boy, the, the, the department is falling apart down there. But there are big city police departments that are augmented by uh, civilian technicians, specialists, that kind of thing. How alarmed should we be by what's happening in New Orleans? Well, as we saw how Seattle's politics spread with the defunding nonsense, it went across the nation. Now we're seeing other major urban areas struggle to recruit and retain their current people. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing that definitely in the Pacific Northwest. But it's those community members aligned with police officers for a pro public safety message that can turn this thing around. And by doing that, you're basically emboldening the populace, that silent majority to wake up and push against these activists that continue to try to drive our country to the ground. We can do that, whether it's not community members taking the test to be a police officer or actually aligning themselves with the police. Right now, it's quite clear people are concerned about their public safety. It's cops that can solve the problem. Well, I like what you said. Hey, the silent majority, we shouldn't be so silent anymore. Excellent advice. No more. Yeah. Mike Solon, president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. To be continued, sir. Hey, we'll be right back with George W. Bush's 
email problem. You know he had an email problem? Yeah, he and Hillary were comparing notes on this, perhaps. Be right back. George W. Bush, not my favorite president. He invaded the wrong country, Iraq. Uh, Yeah, remember that? Oops. Well, uh, interesting. Oh, by the way, he's really chummy with uh, Michelle Obama. Huh? How about that? And Hillary Clinton. Now, Hillary Clinton, I kind of get the uh, I get the chumminess. Newsweek reports that Hillary Clinton's email habits look positively transparent when compared to the subpoena dodging, email hiding, private server using George W. Bush. Between 2003 and 2009, the Bush White House Newsweek says lost 22 million emails. Not only that, they used a private server provided by the Republican National Committee. They did not use WhiteHouse.gov. Talk about not complying with the Presidential Records Act. That seems very, very unusual. And nobody made a fuss because the swamp always takes care of the swamp to be continued. Also, hey, the storm in uh, Florida, we're hoping for the very best. We don't want this to be too bad, but uh, Hurricane Ian is uh, bearing down on Florida right now. I think they're just about done with all the preparation. Now you just got to wait out the storm. DeSantis uh, seems to be doing a pretty good job. Actually, a very good job. Seems totally on top of it. Uh, Has been blown off by Joe Biden. And it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, When Barack Obama was president, he called Chris Christie. And Chris Christie, oh, he uh, called back, hugged, kissed almost. Uh, He just loved hanging around with Barack Obama. Hey, it's important during a hurricane. That's fine. But he went overboard. Here's what I can't stand. And quite frankly, I think it's unforgivable for uh, Chris Christie. You can embrace Barack Obama. But there was a presidential election in about four days. What about Mitt Romney? Hey, Governor Christie, do you have any plans to meet Mitt Romney, who could be the president-elect next week? Here's what Chris Christie said back then. Over the last couple of months, you have uh, appeared throughout the country, uh, Governor, on behalf of Mitt Romney, uh, talking him up for President of the United States. I know uh, President uh, off the campaign trail today, although we hear that perhaps he's going to, uh, Mr. Romney may do some storm-related uh, events. Is there any possibility that uh, Governor Romney may go to New Jersey to tour some of the damage with you? I have no idea, nor am I the least bit concerned or interested. Wow. Huh? Not the least bit concerned or interested to meet with somebody who could be president in 10 days? What's wrong with you? And why are you running to embrace Barack Obama? Here's your answer, okay? Here's the answer. He did not want Mitt Romney to win. He didn't because at that point, Chris Christie had been talked about as a candidate in 2012. He probably regretted not running. He was thinking about 2016. If Mitt Romney won, Chris Christie would not have been able to run for president because Mitt Romney would be busy running for reelection. That's how these politicians think. Oh, boy, they are the worst. And now he's making all that money over there on ABC News. And uh, it's all about him. That's what you got to remember with these politicians. And a big exception to the rule is President Trump. It really is all about the country. 
and they hate that about him. They hate it. All right. You heard of Hillary Clinton? She has no respect for the country. She has no respect for us. She called Trump fans the other day Nazis, Nazis. And then, oh yeah, Joe Biden is a is a regular guy, huh? No, he's not. As a matter of fact, this is an amazing little uh, montage put together by uh, this individual, Mays, a gifted editor. So he takes Hillary Clinton's words about Trump and puts them over images of Joe Biden. I think they fit much better with Joe Biden. Take a look. As a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically... Um, drawn in by Hitler. How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? I think it was difficult for most Americans to believe that this guy would be as dangerous as he turned out to be. And it's no longer just the whiff of violence, but the appeals to violence. Look at immigration. They don't want to get together and try to resolve this uh, issue. They don't want to try to figure out how we have secure borders because they'd rather have an issue than a solution. This is an attack on freedom, on democracy, on truth. This is an attack that has ripple effects for all of us. Uh, The threats to democracy are real, and the only way to defeat them is showing up and voting. Wow, that's powerful, right? Maze Moore. Check him out on social media. Hey, also this, um, a police chief who, quite frankly, doesn't have too much to be proud of. I'm sorry. Uh, former Capitol Hill police chief Stephen Sund is writing a book. Now, number one, why I am not a big fan, this is the guy who, well, security in his mind were bike racks around the Capitol. Bike racks. Remember those bike racks? Yeah, bike racks on January 6th. No, that's uh, that's not good. Uh, his book is called Courage Under Fire, Under Siege and Outnumbered uh, on January 6th. That's the name of the book. Well, uh, this is what the publisher promises inside the book. Uh, number one, uh, it's time to break my silence and reveal everything that I know happened. Okay, uh, number two. Sun will provide a detailed and harrowing minute-by-minute account of the attack and trace Sun's extraordinary journey from his command post on January 6th to his explosive behind-closed-doors testimony before the January 6th committee. Um, I've got some questions for uh, Mr. Sund. Number one, what was up with the bike racks? Why did you only use bike racks? And uh, why did the little cop, who seems to be a Capitol Hill police officer, uh, aggressively wave crowds onto the Capitol Hill. Uh, let's see. Number two, why did your officers just stand there and seem to encourage and welcome uh, people inside the Capitol? Why did that happen? And number three, um, these are just three questions for now. I've got lots. Why did these three police officers decide to take a coffee break at the moment of truth? 30 seconds before Ashley Babbitt was shot, these guys did up, did up, did up, did up, just go walking off. And then all hell breaks loose. And you write a book called Courage Under Fire. Well, remember, the only shot that was fired that day was by one of your guys who killed Ashley Babbitt. I'd like questions answered. Hopefully they're in the book. I will buy it. 
Okay, also this. The New York City Police Department is a great organization, and I think their heart is in the right place. They sent a bunch of kids on a cool field trip, although it wasn't as cool as it could have been. They all got on an NYPD bus, okay? Donald Trump calls it the paddy wagon. (laughs) Anyway, uh, NYPD bus, and they went down to Washington, D.C. Here's a police captain, I think, uh, describing what's going on. A lot of these kids haven't had the opportunity to get down there. Some of them can't afford it. Some of them don't even know that it exists. So for us to be able to do this, it's just, again, it's a great educational opportunity for them. It's a great way for us to partner up with the Board of Ed and give these kids an interactive experience. All right. Cool. Very cool. But here is the problem. Where do they go in Washington, D.C.? What's the destination? The African-American Museum of Culture and uh, History. Uh, how much can we learn about Harriet Tubman? I mean, I'm sorry, but there are so many cool museums. And I think, well, I've been to this museum, and I I really think at this moment, some of it is, well, creating more division. Yes, more division. A museum can do that. If you focus too much on what separates us, I wish that bus would take a slight detour and go to the Air and Space Museum. I don't care what you look like, that is the coolest museum in the world, all right? You walk in, planes and spaceships everywhere. So much better than any museum there, any museum. I love it. It's very kid-appropriate. Hey, they even have a moon rock you can touch. Please, please, kids. And the cops, try to check it out while you're there. Hey, when we come back in a little bit, Bill Cosby, say what you will about Bill Cosby, but he had a point about pulling up the pants. We'll be right back. All All I can can say say is that the the fake fake news just doesn't doesn't get get it, do they? The fake news, they gave this guy, Eric Adams, a great big pass during the campaign. There's, he has no business being mayor. He knows nothing. He's done nothing with his life. But now he's the mayor. Uh, he lost about 30 or 40 pounds, so he, he looks pretty good. But man, oh man, he's got such an ego now, right? I mean, look at this. Look at the, the bravado, all right? I mean, it's, it's good to be confident. But this is ridiculous, all right? This is overdoing it. This guy needs a reality check, a humility check. And just listen to how he speaks. We have a brand. New York has a brand. And when people see it, it means something. You know, when we go there, it's not, Kansas doesn't have a brand. (laughs) (laughs) When you go there, okay, you're from Kansas. (laughs) No. Well, you know what? (laughs) Very offensive. And, and by the way, Kansas is great. Which Kansas? Kansas City? Kansas the state? Leave Kansas alone. And the shades. I mean, does this guy want, I think he wants to be a high-level record executive. He has very little interest in governing. I think he was in uh, Puerto Rico for half the week. And look at what we're dealing with. Since he became mayor, crime was horrible last year. We've got this kind of nonsense all over the place. Hey, Eric, Eric, this is your brand, okay? This is what New York has become. And look at the numbers. The numbers are real. Since you became mayor, up 30, almost 37%. Not a good job. Also, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Great entertainer. 
His personal life, well, I guess that uh, that situation, it was thrown out, right? He was, the, the verdict was vacated. Look, I'm not going there, but I'll tell you this. This guy had some interesting and I think very valid points to make about culture. Remember when he said this about hmm, young men wearing their pants way, way, way down? Are you not paying attention? People with their hat on backwards, pants down around the crack? Isn't that a sign of something? Or are you waiting for Jesus to pull his pants up? Bill Cosby, he was, he was furious and understandably so. And this, uh, it's almost 20 years ago. I was hoping that the low pants thing was a passing fad. No. And by the way, just about every time I see some kid getting beaten up or, uh, you know, somebody stealing or hurting somebody in one of these videos, especially here in New York, I'm sorry, but the pants are almost always hanging down way too low. It's one of the reasons why Bill Cosby, well, anyway, Bill Cosby was onto something and it's a shame. It's a shame that there aren't more people brave enough to speak out like him. Um, he could use some company. He could use some company. I'm not talking about the other stuff in Pennsylvania. I don't know a damn thing about it. I know he's out of jail and I think they, the prosecutors were guilty of misconduct, possibly. All right. Also, meet the press, still the longest running and worst show in the world. And a good Sunday morning. No two men have challenged democracy and global stability more than Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And that was on full display again this week. <laughs> Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. The same, right? They destabilized. OK, hey, how many countries did Donald Trump invade? Hmm? How, how many? How many people did he have assassinated? Tell us. Tell us, Chuck Todd. The nerve of this guy. Wow. And when it comes to impeachment, you know, if he's been paying any attention... There's a million reasons to impeach Joe Biden. How about not securing the border? But look at this fake shock. Watch. Do you expect an impeachment vote against President Biden if Republicans take over the House? I believe there's a lot of pressure on Republicans to have that vote, to put that that legislation forward and to have that vote. I think that is uh, something that some folks are considering. Wow. 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 Hey, you know what's wow? Four million people coming in through the southern border unchecked. That's wow. OK, not doing anything about that and the drugs. How about that for wow? They impeached Trump twice for nothing. All right. Also this. Jake Sullivan was on that show this weekend. He's the national security advisor. All right. He was on Meet the Press. He was also on, I believe, the uh, the Face the Nation show. And then there was one other show. He's on all the shows. He did the full, what do they call it? The full Ginsburg. And he can go on the programs, National Security Advisor, and not be asked about Afghanistan. All right. He was National Security Advisor when we lost. It was kind of expected that at least you would fire maybe, I don't know, half the national security team. You can't fire the president. Well, not yet. But how about that? He gets to go on national television and he doesn't have to account for any of this stuff. And can I see Jake Sullivan again? Yeah, this guy. All right. So this is the job that Henry Kissinger had. <laughs> he's, he's not cut out for it. He's an academic. He's a He's a lawyer. He, he's not ready to be the national security advisor. His claim to fame before the Biden administration is that Hillary Clinton did not listen to his advice. Seriously, this is why he's kind of famous in the political world. Jake Sullivan was the only one in Clinton's inner circle who kept saying she would likely lose. 
uh, kept on asking if it wasn't a good idea for her to spend more time in the Midwestern swing states in the closing days of the campaign. But Jake being Jake, not the most forceful character in the world, he couldn't convince her. And that's okay by me. We'll be right back. All right. You probably have seen this by now. Nancy Pelosi getting booed at some festival in New York. Can I wait a little bit one more time with the volume up? I couldn't talk. All right. Um, she deserved the booze. Remember, this is happening in pretty liberal New York City, and they've had it with her. Uh, I like it. She deserves it. And by the way, what is she doing at some silly music festival in a state she's not from, does not represent? There are other things going on, but this is why they get into the game. So many politicians to go to the parties, to go to events, to travel, to get on in all planes and cars. And all the nonsense. Remember, Donald Trump, he had all that stuff. He got in this to give back. <laughs> One of the very, very few. All right. So Joe Biden, what does this man know? I mean, what experience does he have? What is he qualified to do? Think about it. He's only been asking for votes since the age of uh, 27, I think. Asking people to vote for him, asking for donations, doing favors, getting favors done for him. It's a very superficial game. So he has no real sense of the economy. He's never run a business. He's never really, Hunter did all that stuff. Um, so when he says this to gas stations, okay, we, we don't like gas prices high, right? This is not how you bring the prices down, Joe, all right? He just... I, I don't know. Does he think he's Vladimir Putin? Does he think he's uh, what does he think he is? Listen to this. He said it just a little while ago in the White House. We're missing you, sir. The company's running gas stations and setting those prices on the pump, bringing down the prices you're charging on the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product. Do it now. Do it now. Not a month from now. Do it now. It doesn't work that way. Kind of pathetic, right? Hey, open up the leases. You shut down the pipeline. A million things you could have done to bring these prices down. You're not the boss. You're not the boss. Be right back. They won't give you the facts. They don't tell the truth. Their bias is incredible. Now, millions are turning to Eric Bowling, The Balance, to get the real story. Watch him on Newsmax. Thank you so much. To be continued, we'll see you tomorrow.